please be seated. I'm going to read from John chapter 8, verse 12 this morning. In Pastor Paul's absence, I am not doing a self-talk sermon this morning. He will resume that when he gets back next week. Rather, I am going to take one of these great I am statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John, where Jesus says to them, I am the light of the world. And my address this morning is of a pastoral nature, of a pastoral goal, is to take those words of Jesus, I am the light, and to help us understand our calling in this world to be walk in the, walk in the midst of darkness with light. And we live in a world of tremendous darkness. And I wish us to consider this morning that, that vocational calling, that Jesus being the light, uh, puts upon the followers of Jesus to walk in the midst of darkness in the world in which we live. And so, really, it has a lot to do with our identity. And my aim today is to talk about that identity as people of light. That is our identity. And I think that we have opportunity to learn a lot about our identity as people of light because we are very much so keenly aware of darkness right now. And all of the adversity that God is allowing us to go through affords us a tremendous opportunity for, for us to ask the question, who are we? What are we doing here? What is, our, what is our path? What is our role? Who are the people of God? And the adversity that we are in to help us to grow in grace and understanding our calling and the vocation that God puts us on in, in this world in which we live. And so are you learning anything? <laughs> yes, you're facing adversity. Yes, you're more aware of darkness in this world than perhaps you've ever been aware of before. But are you learning something? Are you learning something about your calling? Are you learning something about our identity as the people of God? Or are you just getting frustrated? Are you just getting angry? Are you just getting discouraged? Are you just despairing? We are presently learning a lot about our world. And what we learn is that there is tremendous darkness in our world. Jesus says in John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Could I just point out a couple of things about the text itself to begin? And that Jesus says, I am the light. He, he does not say, I am a light. Amongst other lights, he says, I am the light. He does not say, I am like a light, like it was some sort of a metaphor, some sort of a simile. He says, I am the light. That's so significant. And notice that also the intermingling of the words life and light, that you will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In other words, there's something about light that, that doesn't just bring habits and rules and religion and self-righteousness into our life because we have the truth. There, there's something about light that brings life into our life. 
And that is how we proceed with light in the world, is with life. And that is exactly what the world needs to see. The main point that I'd like to get across this morning is, is this, that, that God is refining us. We are going through a time of, of refining, and it is not pleasurable or, or pleasant at the time, but it is for God to instruct us and to refine us refining not only us, but the world. It can help us better understand and, and embrace our calling to show the wisdom and the beauty of God's light to a world that is full of darkness. That is our calling. Not merely to, to point our finger and to gasp at darkness, go, oh, look at that, and be shocked by it as... We should continue to be shocked by it, but yet more than that, not to run and hide from it so that we don't have to look at it, don't have to deal with it, but acknowledging that the world is full of darkness to understand our calling and to embrace it and to, to, to walk in the midst of darkness with light. I hope you can see that there, there's, there's, that it's a completely different perspective than simply looking on all the world in, in all of its darkness and all of the, the, the deeds of darkness and, and being angry at it, being frustrated at it, pointing our finger at it and saying, it's just all so wrong, which it is. But to understand this different perspective of a calling. Yes, there's darkness. <laughs> yes, it's oppressive. Yes, we hate it. Yes, it's destructive, but what are we going to do about it? How has God called us to live in the midst of darkness? And it is to be a light in the midst of the darkness. So I'm going to work through three simple basic points. A darkness defined, light defined, and then God's people defined. God's people of light defined. And as I said, my goal is, is pastoral. For us to find a, a, a biblical path together in unity to understand how is it that God has called us to live in this world and to, to wake us up to that calling, to help us see it and to embrace it and to know it and to be intentional about living it out. Understanding that in our religion that cruise control will not serve us well. Darkness defined, what is it? I wonder how you would define darkness. Here's a simple definition of, of darkness. Darkness is a defying of all that God has ordained. A defying of all that, that God has ordained. A shaking of the fist of all that God would say. An unwillingness to surrender a willingness and a desire to, to corrupt, as Isaiah, or, uh, Andrew read from Isaiah chapter 32, such a, a picture of darkness with scoundrels and, and the hope that one day someone with nobility would come and rule nobly, which is what Jesus is. Darkness is a defiance of all that God has ordained. James 3 calls it a wisdom that is from below, a wisdom not from above, but a wisdom that is earthly and demonic. 
Darkness seeks to deny and to corrupt all that God has said. And so darkness is very old. It's, it's been around for a very long time. It's not something new in the world. We might just be waking up to it, but it's been around since the beginning. Sometimes I marvel a little bit, not that people are shocked with the darkness, but that they're only now being shocked by the darkness. So Lord, help us. If we're being woken up to something, then also help us understand what our calling is in the midst of what we are being woken up to. Darkness is very old. We understand from Genesis 3, there is so much that God speaks and ordains and, and, and has in his purposes and will for his, his creation. And darkness came into the world through a very singular path by which it still exists in the world today. And this world is critical for the understanding of darkness. It is the word deception. Darkness is founded upon a lie. Darkness builds upon seduction to a deception. That is the key word in understanding darkness. It's all about deception. It's all about corrupting. It's all about twisting. It's all about making crooked. That's what it's founded upon. That's what has to be healed. But then it makes its way in the world. The deception, it, it, it makes its way in the world. Deception has its, it, it has its deeds, it has its, its actions, it has it, its activities. And, and all, all of those deeds and activities are activities of rebellion. Those two words define and how, how darkness defies God. It's founded upon deception and it makes its way in the world through rebellion. And the, what the rebellion does is it tries to make the deception a reality. <laughs> what is the deception? The deception is this. The deception from the very beginning has been the same. The deception is that you can't trust God. The deception is that it would be better if you were God. The deception is that you can be captain of your own ship. The deception is that you can be master of your own destiny. The de deception is that you would be more happy and more blessed if you could simply climb to heaven as Babel was all about from the very beginning and still is today and to replace God. That is the sinking sand that all darkness builds its house upon. And all of the deeds of darkness come from our very best effort to try to make that deception a reality. To be captain of our own ship, to be masters of our own fate by rebelling against anything that would acknowledge God as the captain. By rebelling against anything that would acknowledge God as the creator, as the owner of the one who, who we belong to. Isaiah 26.10, I was reading through, 
through this book of, of the Bible recently in my own personal reading and came across Isaiah 26.10. And I thought, oh, there's a good description of darkness, as was Isaiah 32 that was, was read earlier. A favor shown to the wicked. It does not learn righteousness. It, it, isn't that your feeling about so much of the world today? Your, your exasperation that everything is just exactly upside down. There's really nobody that wants to ask the question, what is right? What is righteousness? How, how can we find that path? It's, it's, it's completely the opposite. What, what will serve me best? And look at how the verse ends, that they, they don't see the majesty of the Lord. There's a really, really good hint of how it is that we are sustained in being light and darkness. that God would heal our blindness constantly to see something of his majesty. But darkness doesn't see it. So the deeds of darkness that we see so much in our world is a rebellion against God that tries to make that lie, that deception a reality for us to be masters of our own fate, that we can replace God. The question is, how do you stop it? What do you do? Do you shake your fist at it? Do you look down your nose at it? Do you try to get more laws to prohibit it? If you can understand that all of the deeds of darkness are trying to make a deception a reality, then it helps us understand how to deal with those deeds of darkness. The deception has to be healed. There is something far more profound than simply people's behavior that we see on the surface that, that angers us and frustrates us and we, and, and we know that it, it creates such harm in the world. But if we can see through all of that to see that there is something that is far more profound than merely their behavior, that needs a divine miracle of healing. And it is the lie. It is the deception. It is the belief that God can't be trusted. It is the belief that, that I would be happier in this world if I could replace God. And Jesus came into the world as a light for healing to heal the nations of lie. To heal them, us of this most basic element of darkness that looks upon God as a threat to our happiness. This is how many young people view God. This is the great temptation of darkness for young people is that they understand and then they view and their perception of God is simply as a threat to their happiness. And it, it's a lie. And then all of the, the deeds that follow in order to try to make that lie a reality. And from young, immature minds, it can appear as something no more than a game. but it's much more than a game because our souls are at stake. God is creator. That's the truth. 
God is creator of all things, and he is good. He can be trusted. Praise the Lord. What is light? If someone asked you, what, what do you mean by light anyway? Jesus is the light of the world. What, what would you say? If darkness is the defiance of God, light is simply God himself. God doesn't simply put light into the world. He, he brings his own presence into the world. That's what Jesus is. He's bringing the, the, the very presence of the majesty of God himself into the world of flesh that we can look upon him and see the glory of God. And instead of bringing a lie into the world, he brings something that corresponds to reality. The creator, the one who made all things. It's, oh, it's amazing. 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Think about that for, for, for a moment. If, if darkness is deception, if I see smoke starting to come out of your ears, I'll, I'll, I'll settle down a little bit. <laughs> but I want you to think about this. The world in which we live, we, we don't know anything by human experience that has no corruption in it, that has no capacity for deception in it, that has nothing twisted in it. If darkness at its, at its heart is deception, then try to fathom something in whom there is no darkness. There is Nothing, as much as you can plummet the depths of God and know all that there is of the reality that, that is God himself, you will find nothing that can deceive. Isn't that exciting? To, to know that, that in our, our, our pursuit of God and in knowing God by being in Christ, there is a correspondence to a reality that is real and true. And there is no vulnerability to being deceived about the world in which we live or about ourselves or about, or about how to live or, or about anything. <laughs> wow. What a way to live life. What an what a opportunity to, to live in, in worship and, and submission to something in whom there is no darkness. It, it, it's simple words, but, but so profound. God is not like light. God is not a metaphor for light. He is light. There's nothing that can proceed from him that would deceive and all that darkness speaks is founded upon a lie. And all that God speaks is, is founded upon a reality. That God speaks nothing to us that would mislead us. And he himself, he himself is light. He himself is the embodiment of all that is real. 
and he sustains. In his magnificent, unimaginable glory, he's the creator and the sustainer of, of all that is real. No wonder the psalmist in Psalm 27.1 says, the Lord is my light. In other words, I find in my Lord something that corresponds to something that is true, to a reality for my life, for, for asking the question, who am I? What am I doing here? Where am I going? What is my purpose? How should I live? How should I think? What should I do? The Lord is my light. There is no possibility of deception. No wonder the psalmist also says in Psalm 84, Lord, can I live in your temple? <laughs> can, I, can I just move in? I'm jealous of the sparrows. They get, they get to live there. I'd, I'd, I'd prefer just to actually not live where you call me to live in the world. There is so much corruption there. There is so much deception there. There is so much betrayal there. There is so much pain there. There is, there is so much harm in this world. Lord, can I just be with you only, always, forever? Because in the temple of the courts of the Lord, there's no deception. It is a marvelous thing. And Jesus came as a light into the world. It means that he brings into this world or all that corresponds to reality all that God ordains for us, everything that God ordains for us. It's the opposite of darkness where there's a defiance of all that God ordains. Jesus is the light of the world, brings in all that God ordains for us. First of all, in our salvation. First of all, in, in receiving the kindness and the mercy and the, and the forgiveness of, that God ordains that we would receive by his mercy. But then also as God's people, how, how to live, how to walk, how to think, how to be in this world. Jesus is the light of the world. And I, I love how, again, there's that intermingling of the words light and life. Ever meet people who claim to love the light, but they have no life? They have the truth. But mostly they just look down their nose at other people. Mostly they just try to correct people. Mostly if, if they could believe that, that it wasn't true, they would, they would also not serve God. And it lacks life. And so what, what life is, is, is an actual adoration of what God has ordained. That's what life is. Life is an actual love and a trust and a thanksgiving for all that God has ordained for us, to love all that he has brought into this world and to heal us that, oh, see, we, we are so dead in our darkness that we can't see the deception. And that's what sovereign grace is. Sovereign grace is a healing of us in order to see the deception 
that God is both good and God is real. Amen. I hope you love the Lord. I hope you know that he's light. I hope you trust him. I hope you live with a, with a, a sense of his incredible majesty. And I hope your heart longs for the world in the darkness to be healed of their deception. That's our calling, to live in this world without longing. And so thirdly, let me, let me talk about this. A people of light, a people of light are a people who seek not to participate in darkness, not to condone darkness, not to facilitate darkness. In fact, we, 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 we do, we hate it, we're shocked by it, we're, we're alarmed by it. We want nothing to do with it. We, we're, we're willing to be hated because of our desire to be separated from darkness. And yet, where, where, where do we go from there? <laughs> what do we do? Well, what we do is we, we grasp our, our calling not to participate in darkness, but to live in the midst of it as light. You see, our calling affects our attitude. Our calling affects our, our perspective on things. First Peter 2.9 says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may, that you may what? That you may point your finger at all, at all the darkness? Oh, look at that. Oh, look at that. oh my goodness, the world's gone crazy. I just can't believe what they're, what, what they're doing. Like the Pharisee at the, in prayer. Oh, look at this tax collector. I can't believe, I can't believe the stuff he does. It's so awful. Look at me, look at what I, what I do. And he's the one full of darkness. And the devil loves it. Says, where can I find bigger planks to stuff in this guy's eye? Do we run away from it? Do we try to hide from it? I hear Christians talking this way. Let, let's, just, let's just try to go away. Let's try, let's try to live off the grid. Let's just... You know, can't live in this world anymore. Like the psalmist, I think it's Psalm 67. He says, Lord, can I flee? <laughs> can I go live in the wilderness? It's like there, there's, I think, something common. Lord, can I either live in your temple <laughs> where I'm with you all the time or can I go live in the wilderness where there's nobody? But you see the common denominator there. <laughs> can I just get away from people? No, this is what God says through Peter. God has made us a holy people with a calling and vocation, he says, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. To live in the midst of darkness, proclaiming 
light. And the more that we are made mindful of how dark our world is, the more we need to understand our vocation, the more we need to understand our calling to be light in the midst of darkness. As long as God calls us to be here, that we would grow in this grace. And so, but it, it requires an, an, an attitude. It requires a mentality that, well, that God's allowed to speak to me. <laughs> in other words, that I'm not, well, this is what I've always done. This is a course I've always been set. This is how I've always thought. But for God to use the adversity to intercept us in our thinking and say, who are you? And what are you doing here? That sense of calling, that sense of divine identity is significant because, because the, the darkness is real. And how you understand your calling in it is, is so significant. The darkness is real. It, it's, it's where you live. It's where you work. It's where you study. It's where you play. It's everywhere. And it has been from the beginning. And it is oppressive. So what do we do? Where do we go? Let me use some words that I think describe our calling. How to walk as people of light. How to walk in the midst of darkness. And the first one is, of course, the proximity to God himself who is light. See, all of our habits and our disciplines of reading the Bible and praying and, and worshiping aren't themselves light, but they bring us to the light. And so our, our, our first need is to, is to be worshipers of God and stand in the light. As we, as pastors and directors, think about our, our gatherings of worship, we, we think very intentionally. What do we want? How do we want to serve our people? What, what do we want for them? And it can be summed up in, in some very simple words. We, we want you to see God. And secondly, we want you to hear God. <laughs> in other words, we want, you to, we, we want together to be gathered on the Lord's Day to stand in his very presence, to see him and to hear him. That's our first and foremost need to, to so you won't come on, on Sundays and, and maybe sometimes this has frustrated you. Well, well, how come we don't hear more about this that's going on in the world? And how come we don't hear more about that? Aren't we concerned about this that's getting into our school system? And, and you think, well, our, our, our goal isn't to delineate all of the different faucets of darkness on Sundays. Our goal is to stand in the light to see him and to hear him and then get out of here. Get out of here, out into the darkness. Go into the darkness where darkness is and live as children of light. Not only worship, but joy. And it, it is... an intentional thing. That Christians are losing their joy. 
They're, they're frustrated, they're angry, they're anxious, they're depressed, they're alienated, they're isolated. But this is what we need to know about darkness, is that it doesn't win. <laughs> it can't win. It's founded upon a lie. And ultimately, the lie will be exposed and the lie will be destroyed. And all the deeds of the lie also will be judged. But it gives us hope for, for living in the world and joy living in the world, knowing that darkness does not win. Only God himself will win. And all that corresponds to reality will endure. And all that is false cannot endure. So Lord, give us joy, even in the midst of the adversity, even in the, in the midst of the, of the sorrow that we see for the world around us. May we have joy in the Lord. Humility. To possess light is not an indignant self-righteousness. But to have the humility as God's people, we walk in light with the humility to, to admit that darkness also sometimes lives in us. That we also sometimes believe the lie. That we also suffer from and experience the symptoms of darkness, loneliness, depression, marriages, homes, friendships, children, grandchildren, where there's evidence of the lie thriving. And the humility to say, we need God's help and forgiveness and to be people of repentance as he brings us into his light. And love, love for the people that are still yet believing a lie. Love for their souls. Willingness to work with them. Willingness to endure the the whatever it is that, <laughs> that comes back at you. Willingness to understand this, that, that, it, that in all of, all of their deeds and all of the things that, that, that are so harmful and destructive, to have the compassion to understand that at the heart of it is a lie. There's deception. And in all of the conversations that can so quickly escalate into arguments, to have the, the presence of mind and the calmness with kindness to simply say that I believe in God <laughs> and, I, and I trust him for all things for my life and for the world in which I live. That is why I believe what I do about this and that and the other thing. But it's all founded upon God himself. Would you please stand with me? I'd like to read from Isaiah chapter 60 and pray. Wonderful words of hope, of prophecy from the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 60 where it says, Arise and shine for your light has come. What a wonderful description of Jesus, a prophecy of Jesus. Arise, shine for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Has it? 
Do you believe that? Oh, Lord, would you put your glory upon us? In verse two, we know something about. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. So it shouldn't surprise us, right? False news has been around for a while. But the Lord will arise upon you. And his glory <laughs> will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Would you please pray with your eyes open on that text as I pray, as close in prayer, and consider the help and truthfulness of, of these words. Lord, thank you for Jesus who has indeed arisen. Thank you that that light has come and that he possesses the glory of the Lord. Lord, may it rise upon us again and again and again. Lord, we do live in a world that we confess has covered the earth and it's dark, thick darkness. Lord, may you rise upon us. May not our glory be seen, but may your glory be seen upon you. And Lord, we love the nations. We pray for the nations, even as we go out from here and we, we live amongst people of the world. Lord, our longing and our desire is that they would come to the light. Would you please heal them of all that is dark? And Lord, even for people in the highest places, people who make decisions, people who rule, people who are princes in this world. Lord, would you heal them? Lord, this is how we desire to make our way in this world. Help us to rejoice in a dependency upon you that is not unfounded. Pray it in Jesus' name, amen.